Welcome to Dad Rocks, a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. Hello and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm your host, Josh, and, well, it's just me today. Joe and Steve are on a break from the show to focus on work and family, but don't worry, they'll be back in future episodes. However, with that being the case, I figured it would be a great opportunity to talk to my longtime friend and former bandmate, Glenn Fant. Glenn's a father of two boys and has been playing in bands since middle school, which is when we played music together. During our conversation, we talk about parenting, our time playing music together, and how Glenn has been able to continually play in bands while maintaining a healthy marriage and not shirking his fatherly duties. Though it's just me today, after the conversation, I'll give you a few tracks that I've been listening to. But right now, let's get to my conversation with my old friend, Glenn Fant. Hey Glenn, how's how have things been since we last saw each other at the uh, reunion? Pretty good, yeah. Good, uh, good to see you again. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, um, you know it was great to see you. I mean, it's been a, a, a while since we've actually we've spoken online, and I think the last time we s- saw each other, you know, I mean, I guess I should say we've spoken through your brother, uh, who I played music with the last. That's few true, years, and the cemetery goats. Yes, and the cemetery goats. Um, I don't think we saw each other since we jammed in 2007. That's June wild to me that that's 2007. When you say when you said that uh, the reunion, I think I was like, "What?" But <laughs> I, it tracks. It does make sense. I was in New Jersey in 2007. Yes. Yeah. Now you are in. You've been in the. I mean, you've really been in the Massachusetts area since Boston. Now you're in Western Mass. That's right. For the last 20 years or so, basically since college, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big chunk of change. Longest I've lived anywhere. Yeah. It was like 13 years in Georgia and then six years in New Jersey when I met you. Yeah. And then up in uh, Boston for the past 20 years. Unbelievable. But we were home for, I went home for like one year. Yeah. Well, um, well now, I mean, I, I think now home is Massachusetts for you at, at this point. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, I, when I go to visit, I still like when I talk to friends, I talk about like I'm coming home. Yeah. But that's true. I don't think of New Jersey as my home. <laughs> I did have a home there. Yeah. Well, you kind of still do. Your, your dad and, and your stepmom are still there. So and, You know, what's wild is, I don't know what your situation is at the old house, but uh, my old bedroom got renovated and turned into my younger sister's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then it got turned into, no, it actually got turned into her like craft room. So I was okay mm-hmm. with that. That made sense. And then it got turned into a guest room. And so now I'm staying there again. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like it's got a, it's got a, like a full size bed in it now. We stay together when we're staying. Yeah. I was like, she's like, wait a minute. You lived in here and you had like a desk and a bed and a dresser. And I was like, yep, this was my room. So how have you been? I mean, I know we saw each other, you know, a few weeks ago, but how has, life been for you and your wife and your two boys during this crazy pandemic? Well, uh, it's been pretty nuts. Um, we kind of, like a lot of families sort of, you know, um, huddled down. We were, my wife and I are both, uh, high school, you know, I was a high school history teacher at the time. She teaches high school English. And, uh, so we, we were both dealing with it as teachers 
and his parents at the same time. And we were like swapping off and, you know, somehow managing to meet with our classes when, you know, every once at the beginning, it was like once a week and it was voluntary for the students, but you know, it was like a therapy session or something. Right. But, uh, we were dealing with that for our own kids too. And, you know, I had a kindergartner at the time and a, you know, first year preschooler. Um, and they were, the kindergartner did okay. Harley was all right with it, like remote class and stuff. He was on board. But Jamie, who is still in preschool, was not having it at all. So mm -hmm. it was like trying to get him to sit down in front of a screen and do any sort of lessons was just fruitless. After a while, we, we cut that out. But I ended up quitting my job as a oh. teacher a uh, little um, let's see, back in October, 2021. So I went, I made it through the spring and then I went back in the fall, but, uh, it just got to a point where it was unworkable with the different schedules. And it was like, Anne Marie's was, she was going to go into hybrid mode. And that meant that, mm -hmm. you know, my classes were remote in the morning, her classes were remote in the afternoon. And yeah. we just handed off parenting, you know, or teaching the kids during the yeah. day. Um, until that, that didn't work and she went hybrid. And so one of us had to quit. And so that was me. I totally applaud you. And I know it must've been an incredibly tough decision to make that sacrifice, especially, you know, you're two teachers and you don't have the salary really to, right. uh, you bear, you know, not that you're barely living off of your salaries, but it's not like you're super cushy no, uh, with those incomes. Yeah. So, you know, to take that hit is, uh, you know, financially, especially, you know, yeah, that's, that's it, it's, it cost it's us. Huge. That's for sure. You know, and the, um, when, when we did it, it was also part, partly like, well, how do I say this? Like we had already sort of had some plans in place before mm -hmm. the pandemic, uh, about moving out to Western mass. We, you know, actually had told my boss, um, just, you know, I'd said, so, you know, I'm, I may be moving out, you know, in the, not this follow this year, but the year after, which is when we did end up moving. Um, and just, you know, heads up, you might want to start thinking about replacements and stuff like that. Cause you know, I loved my, my job, my boss is great. So anyway, I didn't want it to be a surprise, but then the pandemic hit and we were just like, Oh, this is going to be a massive recession. No one's going to be tired, hiring teachers. I just thought about the 2008 recession and how that would, that was really hard uh, in education for my wife at the time. I wasn't a teacher. I was, I started in 2010, but um, layoffs, you know, and people were not mm -hmm. hiring. So she was remote and I was, you know, I ended up having to take care of the kids, but we figured that this was a, a chance after a while, like, let's just use this as a chance to, to, to move. So we moved in January of 2021 uh, and, and she finished out her school year remotely. She had a remote class that met throughout the entire year at Belmont and uh, the school she worked at. And I took care of the kids, you know, until Harley mm. went back to school in the spring. And so at that point, I just took care of Jamie all day, which yeah. was different. Taking care of a uh, five-year-old, one <laughs> one kid is is a lot of fun, and two can be very stressful. And I just yeah. like, the thing about like this pandemic that is the, the most earth-shattering to me is how much time that people like us in our generation have had to spend with their children. And mm -hmm. it's just like, that's not, 
how it was envisioned to be right. biologically, sociologically. You know, we're supposed to all raise kids together. And I don't think anyone would ever have kids if they knew, oh, by the way, you're going to spend every moment of your, <laughs> like, you know, two years with these kids. I just don't yeah. think it would happen. But it was a beautiful thing, you know, yeah. in other times, you know, when I was taking Jamie on these bike rides after we drop off Harley and stuff like that. So we did have a lot of fun. As parents, you, because you're not only thinking, you know, it's for you, like you're thinking about how am I going to deal, how am I going to, you know, juggle two kids who are at home, making sure they're, you know, they're doing their schooling and, you know, making sure that we're not taking it. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, you know, when we were talked a little bit, I know you were guys were careful, but I don't know how careful I know. We were crazily careful, but I also know people who are just like doing whatever, um, which, you know, it's, that's their prerogative. Right. But, yeah. No, we were, you know, we were pretty insular. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, having that, making sure our kids are, we're not doing anything to, you know, jeopardize our kids. Um, and then for us, especially my son being so young, we were concerned about socialization and the lack of it, which, you know, did play yeah. uh, part in his, his development a little bit, but not, thankfully not that much. Um, yeah. but you know, it's so much and just the stress of what was going on and then you added on top moving and building a new house and it's like i, I don't it was probably a mistake probably. <laughs> hey you I know mean, you got a, you got a really nice house and you're you know you are you you like where you live right now i don't think it's you yeah know. it is kind of amazing you know we talk about this a lot where we about how grateful we are to be in the neighborhood where we are because we moved into a, it's like a double cul-de-sac walking distance from the elementary school. There's a bike trail and hiking trail, like right here. It's insane. It's like building this house was our ticket into a, a neighborhood that we know didn't come around very often, you know, very idyllic. So, and but we paid a price for it, you know, as our professions, you know, yeah. my, uh, Amory was very fulfilled at her job. I was very fulfilled at my job and our kids were pretty happy with their friends and stuff. But I think seeing them now and seeing the way that they get to enjoy their friends, you know, in a, in a more, I guess it's like we were scheduling play dates before yeah. and now it's just like, they're just out doing their thing. And it, it feels really very safe. Whereas our old neighborhood, it was a lot of traffic and, so worth it, but very still very painful. Like we're still yeah. we're still mourning the loss of our our careers and, and the music scene that I left behind in Boston. Like yeah. twenty years of that. It's the compromises that you make for your kids and your family and stuff, and it's never easy. But right. uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta decide what's the most important thing. And I'd say. You know, there, there is, there's a lot of it that's for us too. You know, it's that yeah. a lot of the stuff that I ticked off about where we live and the neighborhood and stuff like that. I mean, that's great. And that's really solid for us too. Um, yeah. But, you know, nothing's free. No. Uh, <laughs> you always got to pay a price. Exactly. Point. You have two boys. Yes. And they're what, five and seven? Five now? and eight. Five yeah. and eight. So I have a boy. We both grew up with brothers. I had a young. I have a younger brother. You have. You know. <laughs> you true. have. You have two brothers, but you. You know. You, yeah, you mainly grew up with my older brother. Older, you with your older brother. Uh, your younger brother is a bit younger than you. But how has it been for you raising two boys? Like, what have been some of the you know the frustrations or you know ah. the pure pure moments of joy that kind of stuff? What, I'll what, talk about know? the moments of joy first. Is that okay. um, is those moments where like my boys are about three years apart and. My older brother, James, and I are about two years apart. 
and we bickered and, and fought, but we also spent a lot of time together, like growing up in the boondocks in like West Georgia and like, mm-hmm. you know, where there was nothing to do. And we, we definitely spent a lot of time together. So there's all these pictures of like me pulling him in a wagon and stuff like that. Um, and I'll see the, the boys when they're playing and they're interacting I'll, now that they're five and eight, I have like these flashbacks to when I was like five and we, my brother and I, you know, we're from Georgia. So we engaged in like civil war, imaginative play, you know, like <laughs> union versus Confederacy. And uh, I believed it. I was like, you know, yeah. in, in Jamie's age, five-year-olds, like uh, some of them still have a full, like, I, I think that what they see in their imaginations is 100% there and and I believed it at the time like you know my brother convinced me I was in a, in a war it was actually traumatic <laughs> but you know and that kind of stuff I see them playing together and that having that similar dynamic is just one of the coolest things you know yeah. um but then they bicker like crazy and they you know it's like herding cats you know I do drop <laughs> off in the morning because Amory's got an early start like 7 a.m. Uh, homeroom bell or something like that or 715 so yeah. I get the kids to school and just getting their shoes on getting them fed out the door you know you get one shoes on the other one wanders off and you're gonna go get them and <laughs> it just it's the mornings are rough <laughs> yeah I'm sure yeah but there's got to be times I mean besides the bickering like I can't even imagine like wrestling is fun yeah oh that's that's good yeah Where they are they, I mean, do they fight? Do they have a? Are they able to share a lot, or do they fight over stuff? Are they territorial? They, they yeah, they they'll they'll fight about you know. Um, we always get try and get two of everything, right? Mm-hmm. The next thing I wanted to ask was kind of you know your your behavior, you know your style of behavior management, or you know how you do you punish? Like how do you? Oh yeah. Like because I mean, as teachers, you yeah. you know you guys both come. You probably have a lot of uh, experience dealing, granted, with older kids, but also, you know, understanding how to deal with, you know, behavior problems. But I just was curious if you guys, if you and your wife had a specific style or you just, you know, how you approach when your kids are not, when they're acting up and stuff. Well, they do it constantly. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they, like a five and an eight year old, they're, their ability to regulate their own behavior is like, that's the thing that they lack completely. So that's what they're working on. We don't do spankings. Uh, I joke right. around with the kid about spanking. I looked, yeah. I've, I've told them that it exists and like, they're like, what, what is that? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going <laughs> to spank you one day if you keep it up. But they, they think it's funny. They laugh at me. We do it. It's called one, two, three magic is the, hmm. the thing that, I had heard there's a book, there's a DVD. Basically, I just read some crypt notes, but it was, um, it's basically, you know, you see a behavior that you don't like or that you want to change and you just say that's one. And if they continue to do it and you say that's two and you're supposed to be very calm about it, that's the hard thing, you know? Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> but if you get to three, then it's supposed to be like law of gravity, like they have a timeout. And oftentimes we don't get to three anymore. It can be, I'm, you know, counting all the time and it is pretty annoying. And my grand, I mean, not my grandparents, their grandparents and my parents will hear me doing this sometimes. And they're like, they should just do it now. You know, <laughs> like the first time you ask them, and I'm like, well, you know, like they hear things, but they don't, they don't register it sometimes unless you're, I find that this counting does help them say, oh, I'm not doing something. Something's wrong. Because otherwise, they'll just ignore me. I'd say, like, time to get your shoes on. Time to get your shoes on. 
Time to get your shoes on. That's one. <laughs> and that <laughs> I have found that that helps a lot. That's the only advice I would ever give anyone. Um, but patience and I don't know, just talking to them. Harley's getting to the age where he's starting to have like questions about girls and body stuff. And that's just a whole new territory. <laughs> but yeah. And Jamie's the age where he's any chance to just run around naked and show <laughs> show Alf any part of him. He's about it. So it's right. try not to. Make them. I try not to like scream. You know, put your clothes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I, I have a, I have, I've been trying to work on not having a, an instant reaction to things, and, and, uh, it's tough sometimes when you like, come home after a long day, and then it's just like, ah. Yeah. So I mean, I've, I've had a couple times. I mean, not to, to even pretend like I'm remotely have it together, but there's been a couple times in the mornings where I'm just trying to get them going, and I'm just like just yell like boys and it just like you know it doesn't have it's so infrequent that when i do it they're just like what's going on and then i feel guilty but they do it does sometimes get them going another time we were in the middle of the move and like moving from the apartment that we stayed in for a year since we moved out here moving into this new house and everything's swirling around and uh, I got work concerns too. And I'm trying to get them out the door. And they're just like ignoring me, ignoring me. I, and I just was like, just start crying to myself. Just like, <laughs> and I was seriously like, you know, yeah. trying to wash some dishes. Like, oh, they're like, Daddy, are you, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying. I'm losing it. <laughs> and then they were like, okay, we'll go to school now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they don't see me cry that often but i mean in the past couple of years like i've broken down in front of them in front of Anne Marie. Yeah. it's been rough <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah hey it's neil francis and you're listening to dad rocks You know, the reason I asked you to come on to this show, you know, we've known each other yeah. a long time, is you and I, when we were in middle school, we played music together. You know, you were kind of my gateway to a lot of um, cool music in, in the mid-90s uh, when you moved up from Georgia. And, you know, music has been, you know, a huge part of your life. You went to, you know, Berkeley. You kind of, you know, attempted to, to get into the into the uh, music industry. Right. So how are your kids with music? Like, what, where are they? I mean, I know a little bit that your dad kind of had a, a pretty big influence on you music-wise, you know, through his work. Like, he's good friends with the guys from Squeeze. Like, he, I know he, you know, he deals with and interacts with a lot of um, different artists. And, you know, he has a great taste in music, too. I just didn't know, like, if you try to get your kids into music or let them just decide or if you play, you know, how you approach it and if they're into, you know, music at all. That's a, yeah, that's a really great question because it's like what what worked for, obviously I'm obsessed with music, you know, yeah. like, and I, I don't think that there was any intentionality behind it, but I think one of the things that my parents did was that they didn't really put on a lot of like kids music. It was more like, you know, we'd listen to Tears for Fears or, uh, squeeze or my mom would put on Joni Mitchell when she was cleaning. And my dad had a lot of like these mixtapes of like the chameleons and Oingo Boingo. That, oh, wow. Yeah. That I would like take and squeeze and that he made these great mixtapes and I would 
they take them on on family trips on my Walkman and listen to them over and over. Mm. So a lot of my tastes sort of came from that. My my dad definitely got me into like bands like Smashing Pumpkins. Um, wow. He read the Rolling Stone when they were like you know tastemakers in the '90s and mm-hmm. um and yeah he's always sort of had his his finger on the pulse of what is hip even more so than myself because he works in that hospitality industry and mm-hmm. hip Soho. Um, but with the kids, yeah, we, you know, we did a little bit like we would play, you know, I played Barney for the kids and like, I'd sing, <laughs> sing them lullabies and we watch a ton of Disney movies. I, I was just this morning singing, you know, we don't talk about Bruno and, mm-hmm. uh, little mermaid stuff like that so like we do listen to kids music but i'm singing a lot of that right. <laughs> yeah um but you know we listen to like a lot of david byrne at, on new year's the other year we harley and i watched that uh american utopia utopia yeah on new year's cool. eve like you know after it was like 10 till midnight and he watched the wow. whole thing with me just wow. like into it yeah so like i listen to that a lot and um kids stuff like they really like the Beatles but they kind of got into the Beatles through this show on Netflix Beat Bugs oh I've never even heard of that oh it's really cool so they they'll take a Beatles song and they'll turn it into like a you know a 10 minute episode Um, like help was this bug in a garden is stuck in a bottle um, that's filling up with water and they're singing help and their slug friend has to come (laughs) help them and stuff like that so yeah it's cute Yeah. yeah So we do listen. We do have some of that stuff, but a lot of times, like it'll be Hamilton. We listen to a lot of Hamilton, and mm. and uh, now this. Do you, have to, do you have to do the like my dad? He would play us Prince, like uh, the Prince, uh, so, like the the Sign album. Yeah, yeah. And like he would just have to turn down the volume every time, like you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a something the was only dropped. one that I ever really bleep out is. Uh, well, they say Southern motherfucking Democratic Republicans. Yeah. And so I always just overpower and I say Southern mother hugging Democratic Republicans. <laughs> but that's about the most. I mean, we're getting to that point where they're talking or Harley is really interested in swear words and the kids are saying them. And, yeah. and, um, and we're starting to watch some movies like Marvel movies where they do drop some S-bombs and, and ass this. And it it's not it's not as bad. I, we did watch one recently that was so bad. It was a Uncharted which I love these these video games. It's the same guy who plays Spider-Man, but it was like they were just saying shit every other words, like what the shit, all these yeah. variations of shit. Yeah. It was kind of comical after a while. And Harley's like, why do they keep saying that? It's like, it's lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> but So we're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, he hasn't like dropped any right. any profanity and, and family stuff, or I haven't had to talk to him about it at school. But in music, I kind of... I'm not – I just kind of ignore it and try to not to make it a, a thing. thing yeah. yeah, but then there's – I haven't gotten to the point where we're talking about like really, really explicit music like that you know, you hear on TikToks and right. stuff like that. I mean that stuff's just nasty. Well, yeah. I mean but that's the thing. You know, you have to – I look back and think back to when I was you know, 10, 11 uh, and you'd get like a CD of a popular band. Sometimes it would have that parental advisory mm-hmm. logo. Yeah. But then you you sometimes get one that didn't, and then there'd be like one or two songs where it's just like, oh, there's a curse word on here, and like you would just be like, yeah, I love this one, like you know. Yeah. I guess it's it's one of those things where it's like you have to think back and be like, am I going to make a big deal out of this? It wasn't a big deal to my parents, <clears throat> at least for me, really. What I was listening to, because I wasn't like using that profane language, right. So, you know, I, I guess you're at that point now where you're going to have to start thinking about, like, what's allowed in the house. Are you going to, like, 
you know, check on what they're. I don't know. It's like that. That's the the thing because I can tell you, like all the popular music now is full of just like it's totally. I feel like it's way worse than you know when we grew up twenty yeah. five thirty. Years like ago, WAP so. is like the pop. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's like there's a whole there's a whole like that's the tip of the iceberg. That well, is, I mean, we also had we did have Naughty by there. Nature OPP in there, you know, so that was you know and yeah. There was a lot of that going, a lot of in you. It was more innuendo though. Like, yes. Back then, now it's They're just saying like, the quiet part out loud now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I mean. That's the thing, like I when when Harley's like he has a friend over and they're like play Ariana Grande. I don't mind that they're listening to Ari- Ariana Grande, but I don't want them to like. I worry that you're gonna like just get into sort of mindless pop, you know that that is devoid of uh, of like where they're you know using profanity, but there's no artistic statement behind it. Yeah. There's no real like I don't. But then who am I to say? Well, you're right, he's to also sound real old. I feel like I feel he's like eight. if he's at if he's in middle school and high school and right. he's like I mean, and then again, NWA. You know, it's like I mean, NWA is great stuff. I mean, that's it like it's and but like you know, that's I I was going through this my own thing too because you know my dad was so. Both of my parents were so had such a profound influence on my musical style. I wanted to like almost like try. I tried to influence my son to like get into music, and he likes some of the stuff, and he'll want to dance to things. But a lot of times, he'll just be like, "No, daddy, no, no music now. Music time's yeah. over." Like right. I'll try to play something, like even just on a car. He's like, "No guitar, mu- no music time. Let's do let's do duplos. Like that's we're building now." And right. so I'm I, I'm trying to learn to not force it. And I was just curious if you were like because you know going back to our history together i mean i was already like kind of in a band when i was in like late elementary school like i got hooked up with some some dudes through my from my music teacher at my school when did you start playing kit so i started playing drums at 9 years old and then my music teacher at at my school was giving some guy uh, you know piano lessons he was also like a saxophone player he lived in fairfield but he went to like mka and but then he was like in middle school and like i st- i played with them for like a, basically like a year or two and like we had this little trio it was it was you know it got me into playing in my first band then you came into school and i was like in this band and then like i think halfway through the year like late fall early winter you were like hey man do you want to you want to you want to start a band or something? And I was like, all right. And that was really kind of like my first foray into you know, I think both of us really yeah. into playing original music. It was it was pretty it was incredibly formative for us. And you were a great songwriter too, like for you know being a thirteen year old dude. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're thirteen, you can wear like all that angst. It just sounds just just about right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that's kind of my wheelhouse um, yeah. still. So, uh, well, you know, when when we got together and started playing music, I hadn't you know really played in a band like I played for like a couple months in a band with my brother James was it Matt one of the Matt's was in it Matt Lefkowitz was in it okay I think he played bass and Frank Cazzarelli was mm-hmm. playing drums and we were called Stain and <laughs> not and Stained not Stain, Stained, stained. Uh, we were before that was them. before that yeah yeah this is before them yeah and uh and we we were getting ready for this Halloween party um and we we like made a sign and we spray painted stain on this like giant sheet to hang up and uh 
and, and it left a stain on the on the driveway <laughs> stain. But you know, basically, like I was in, I had this moment where James and I moved up to to New Jersey, and we didn't know anyone, but we, I just started playing guitar, and he had been in bands and stuff in Georgia back where we left, and they had like played it. You know, there was a place called The Strand, which was like a local club that would do all ages shows. And I thought it was so cool that my mm-hmm. brother was going to these places. He was like, you have to be 13 to get into. That's and crazy. I wasn't, yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there was something like that, you know, and I, I eventually I got to go. And it was like, that's what I want to do. And we had uh, we had this little band. A little, We started playing together because we didn't know anyone else. And I I was started writing songs and and I think at the time he was like, you know, he didn't want his little brother singing and writing the songs and, and the band, which, you know, makes sense from, from a, uh, what was he in ninth grade or something yeah, like that? Not yet, ninth grader, yeah. Right? yeah, totally. So, so that didn't work. We had like a little falling out and then I was, you know, it was like, Wait, yeah, we were in band. T- we were, we were, we're in the same homeroom. We were in band together, uh, concert yeah. band together. And, you know, I, I don't know when you asked our bass player Chiharu like to join or no idea. I, I just remember we, we jammed and there was a, we had an audience, our first rehearsal or try attempt at it in, in the band room. <laughs> Did we? And I, I don't even know what we played. Uh. I don't know what we jammed on, but then we started playing. And, you know, the one thing I look back on at that time, you know, we, you know, there's a couple of things. One, we would have these, I mean, granted, we did not live in the same town. Like, so our high school was the regional high school. I yeah. lived about like three towns away from you. So it wasn't like an easy get to my house where we had the basement and stuff. Right. But like you, you got, you and she would come over and you would be there for two hours and that was it. Like, and then you had to be picked up and then like we would leave it. And like, we never <laughs> really? like, sp- I, I, yeah, we never like spent too much time because it'd be like on a Sunday, you yeah. know, I don't, you know, we. And because where we practiced at my house, my dad had his office, so we couldn't like do it in the, in the afternoon. That's right, because he practiced during the weekdays. Yeah, yeah, because uh, his 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 office was open during the weekdays, and yeah, and so we couldn't really rehearse that much. But it it was just interesting thinking back about that, like that, because we it was like kind of just like business, like you know, we didn't even like hang out like at rehearsals. So we would That's, just like <laughs> we would just do songs, and we would hang out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't like. You know anything like oh we're 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 chilling and you know listening to records listening to music it was we did all that like in school or after school um but and then it's like it's a it's like a work ethic thing it was like this is time where we work on these songs and and original music was like I don't know why we were doing that like uh, we weren't I, I in some cases I feel like I didn't learn a lot of covers because I wasn't very good at guitar you know like i kind of skipped over that and you know I, I a lot of my friends learned chili peppers under the bridge you know yeah. and and i was just like oh i have three chords i'm just gonna play those over and over again and make something up and we did we did cover wild thing we did cover we did, wild thing and i sang wild thing. Nice. and i sang and i, 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 I remember and, that now and i you know this was me as a 13 12 or 13 year old who sounded like an eight-year-old and so ah. you know it looked and sounded yeah. like you know the other thing was and he would kind of discuss this you know at the reunion there was no f- place for us to play like we right. did not there in North Jersey in the mid late nineties, there was no, I mean, later with the punk scene places started to pop up DIY stuff that we, we weren't in that scene. But when we were right. in middle school, 
there was zero places for us to play other than like if someone invited us to do a party or we we did you, we did, played that Halloween show that your I think your brother put on again or yeah, Matt my, Asher my, put on. My yeah. dad rented it out. I think yeah. the, the fire hall, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then my dad would get us gigs at street fairs, but that was it. And you know he did start a battle of bands right. As we were, as our band broke up, it's like, or at least when I, the band didn't break up. I, we, we had a mutual, you know, agreement that I would, uh, that I was going to leave just because of, you know, differences of whatever. I can't Um, even remember why that's, it seems. I mean, I, I think it was, I think you and your brother were getting back into it. I was like, I was kind of getting into other music at the time and I was going through my own thing. I don't know, but yeah, you know, and that's something I do regret. Look, you know, it worked out. Like I got, had my band Zanzibar Scuff in high school, which was, you know, a great experience for me, but I do wish we had played a little longer together. Um, But yeah, but there was just consistently, you know, like. I, I mean, that's the thing that I think about now is like back then it was more like, I mean, we we remained friends, but it was yeah. like you were either in a band or you weren't. And this idea that you could have multiple projects wasn't yeah. even something that I thought about. It was like, you know, we're in the band together or right. like it was it was literally like, like you are in a band. That's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. You can't have another band like yeah. you're in a bit. It's not yeah. like you like no one told us. Yeah, you could play in like three bands. It's okay. It's not like, yeah, right. I, but I also think because there weren't shows to play, what, what, you know, why would you be in three bands? Like, and also, again, the proximity I think was a problem for us until later. Like, yeah. like my parents hated driving all the way out fifteen minutes to North Caldwell to pick me up from anyone's house. Like, right. it, it was just a pain, pain in the ass. I mean, in all this, I was just thinking, I, who, who was the poor soul that drove me to your house on those Sundays? Your dad. <laughs> it was your dad. And but, I don't but, remember. What did he do during that time? He either went home, or I guess yeah. he he I don't I, think maybe he hung he, out. Well, he might have he might have talked to my dad. You know, they maybe a maybe, bit. they did become friendly. You know, they yeah, were. They did. You know, I just can't envision. Like, I don't know. Like, do you do you do you do you get this now where you get play date invites or even a birthday party or something, and you're like. I want my kid to play with this other person's kid, but what do we what do we have in common other than that we have two children that are around oh. the same age and you know like that's my neighbors across the street. My neighbors across the street, like you know, they're really nice people. They're a Jewish family. Their kids are you know, they're David's like in between both their kids, like age wise. Um, but me and the husband, the father, have nothing in common, like yeah. zero, and it's really tough. Like because like I'd like to sit and talk to him, but it's like we're like kind of talking past each other yeah it's rough the best is when you get past that and they can you just like yeah just drop them off at our house send the kid over i don't you know i'll i know their kids better than i know them yeah i know them by text messages at this point right going back to like what what was going on it's i think for us it was it's kind of just really like it just sucked that there was no place to play. Now every you can there's so many places it feels like at least when we got older like there was clubs like you know underage clubs that were popping up like yeah. it, and there's a lot more it feels maybe cuz you know with the internet there's there's more places to play but your band you know the band we were in and then it became your band. We should your name band. it for any listeners. No, oh, this goodbye, goodbye Blue Monday. Goodbye, goodbye Blue, Blue Monday. Monday. The yes. Kurt Vonnegut reference. Yes. Uh, I might, if I can, I will try to throw uh, some audio up here from one of our performances nice. and one of your original songs. Excellent. But you 
you guys tried to make a go of it, like in high school, and you, you know, I guess through your dad, I don't know if it's through your dad or just in, in general, you guys got gigs in New York City, which, of course, none of us yeah. who were in high school could actually attend because it was all 21 or 18 and over shows. So, yeah. So, yeah, we played at the Elbow Room and CBGBs and, uh, geez, there was somewhere else in, in New York City that, probably doesn't exist anymore but you know i thinking about that i booked those shows i was like some like 16 year old kid contacting these clubs i put together like a press kit um yeah i i did i i back then i was very very driven and i was very like i'm gonna get the songs together i'm gonna get all those shows together um and i took a you know there was a period because when I was in college too, it was also yeah. we had a different band. My brother James and I, distinguished members, and I was also writing the songs. And I think James helped me book shows and stuff too. But it was very much like my band, you know. Yeah. And uh, for like the past ten years, though, I got to be in the Fatal Flaw and Bang Camaro, and both of those bands, they weren't like. It wasn't wrapped up in my identity as much. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not the one writing the songs. I'm. I didn't have to book all the gigs. It was really, really fun to just like show up. Um, and now out here in Western Mass, trying to get a new band going on. And also I did a little bit with Thunder Jacket, my other Boston band with uh, my younger brother, Pat. But it's like, you know, getting back into writing songs and running rehearsals, you know, like in a way that makes everyone feel included. and right. But also says like, I have a vision for this song mm -hmm. and – um, that's something that like, I totally kind of forgot how to do. And it's, it's coming back to me a little bit, but booking shows is, oh man, it's just the worst. It's just like, <laughs> well, it is, it is, it's, it's, it's follow terrible. up, follow up. I have cold emails, you know, I found recently that asking people like about a specific date, Hey, we're interested in playing this date. I'm getting more responses. Yeah. Based oh, on interesting. That. But yeah, but it's kind of a new world for me. <laughs> This is Brendan Benson, and you're listening to Dad Rocks. You know, you, you went to Berkeley to you were studying, I guess, guitar at the time, and but yeah, you, you did well, not. Everyone had to pick an instrument at mm -hmm. Berkeley. You had to sort of major in an instrument. Right. Mine was guitar. Yes, but, but you, but your intention was when you went to Berkeley. Your brother was up in Boston. Your guys yeah. were like, we're gonna try to go for it. Like this is a great music scene, yeah. and you guys had a band for for a while, and now we you're did. essentially. A teacher, you yeah. know, kind of like you, you mentioned, you still have bands going on now. Right. Like how I know for me with with my wife and you know, she's very supportive of me wanting to play music and being in bands. How do you and your wife kind of deal with the fact that you have two kids, you're you have a job, you both have jobs and yet you have this hobby that pulls you away from your family for I don't know how many times you rehearse, and especially right. gigs, you know, and you're in several, you're, I mean, you're kind of in several bands at the same time. Like, how yeah. does that all kind of work? Well, it's, it's really, it's always been about routine for me. Like, like you said, like that two hour band rehearsals, like, and that's the thing that I've always sort of needed as part of my life. And that's kind of what it's about more than, you know, um, it, it, like, yeah, I would have loved – I enjoyed touring and I would have loved to, you know, someone give me a million dollars to make music all day. 
100%. Yeah, I would love that. But also, like, it, it's really in my life, music has more been a chance to regularly get together with friends and and work on, you know, whittle away at a project, just having long term goals and something to, to do. So, like, Anne Marie has always been supportive of that because she's always known me to have that and known how important that is. Like, and there have been times when, like, you know, where I was between bands very, very few times, but <laughs> you would see, you know, how bummed out I would be when yeah. I didn't have practice. And when the pandemic hit, oh, that was like the hardest thing. I mean, it says a lot about my experience. The hardest thing for me was, you know, I didn't. Well, no, I, but that's yeah. not, I mean, I understand what you're saying because I would go through periods when I was, I was single, I was living alone, um, you know, either in Maryland when I was teaching there or in Kansas in grad school, even though I like, well, it, when I was in Maryland, I was, I didn't, I had a band back up here in Jersey, but I wasn't playing music for the first six months that I was down there. I joined a wedding band because I got so depressed not playing music right. and there was no, nothing else going on in my job. And like, that was, I was missing that huge hobby, like that important that creative output, you know, whatever. And yeah. when I did move to Kansas, that was the first thing I, before I even moved, I tried to join a band via Craigslist. And, you know, the past few years, like with the pandemic, it's definitely been hard. Um, and, but I, you know, I, I've been putting it into this podcast really, but I totally understand what you're saying yeah. in terms of that. Well, and yeah, so I, I'd walk around all bummed out, you know, every Thursday. We, we, the Fatal Flaw, would get together for Zoom hangouts and stuff, mm -hmm. you know. So we, we get a little bit of that social interaction, but that, that like, I, something to do regularly that you're, you're focused on, and it went to other things, you know. Yeah. Um, I worked on home recordings. We, we did a, a cover of Fatal, the Fatal Flaw did a cover of, uh, the Kinks, uh, Victoria. Um, really? I, I love that song. I, it's like the best song ever. Yeah. So my, you have to send that to me. I gotta, I gotta hear that. It's going to be released relatively soon. There, oh, so okay. it's on it a compilation. Been... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll totally, I'll send, well, I'll send you a preview, but, uh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's cool. Someone they're actually pressing like a mono vinyl version oh, wow. of it. That's awesome. And so we had to have like a mono version mix. But uh yeah. So I you know, I was in our office like scream you know, belting out the backing vocals in Victoria and that really helped doing that and a whole slew of other things, but um music videos, things like mm -hmm. that. It, it's for me, it's always having to have something like that. So anyway, Amory knows that and that's just sort of baked into our relationship. So she's always been supportive of that. And sometimes she's had to be even more supportive. And like when I went on tour with Bang Camaro for, you know, the better part of three months, you know, one summer. Yeah. And this is pre kids, that, though. That's pre kids. Pre yeah. yeah. But, you know, we had been together for nine years and it was like we had our relationship. And then there was our relationship when I'm on tour yeah. and away. For, and, and she supported me financially, you know, because yeah. I was working part time at an accounting office. But still, getting out regularly on Thursday nights—it it always tends to be Thursday—is is for practice has been uh, important. And you know, it's hard. She'll do bedtime on Thursdays, and I'll do it every Friday while she has a Zoom call with her friends. And you know, it's like I had a colleague who referred to it very pragmatically as time in the bank. And I like to think about it that way too. It's like making sure that you are providing as much support as you're drawing from your your significant other. Yeah. Um the hard thing about that is I have a hobby that can draw a lot of time. 
And yes. it can, like, I'm mean, going, going into the studio for an eight hour session for like a new batch of songs on um, the same weekend we have a show. <laughs> you know, it's like, because I, I know I can get the band together that weekend because we have a show, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I'm going to have a show and recording. That's a lot to ask of her, but I'm taking the kids out to Arkansas to oh, wow. visit family, just me and them. And then we're meeting some other family there, but you know, and I'm like, you stay home, you get some you time because she doesn't need to go out and visit the whole fan clan in Arkansas and time in the bank. Like, you know, enjoy it. Cause you, you earned it. Cause you helped me do all this stuff. And I can't say thank you enough. Um, but you know, it's hard. It, it adds stress to our relationship as always. And at t- sometimes it's been really bad. Like when I was in like three or four bands that were, practicing regularly and all their these deadlines were like all on top of each other and i was like okay that's that's the extent of that so really one one project at a time one iron in the fire is good for me right now so i'm really just focused on recent history the northampton band no, I and I totally get it because when I was I was ironically I was working with your brother in the Cemetery Goats and we were getting together for like gigs or a gig and then I was also with my cover band or my original band like so you know there were two going on at the same time and my wife was just like you got to you got to choose one like it's like you know because I would go and leave her for like three or four hours like on a weekend and yeah. like she at the time we had one car so she really couldn't leave the house so. I totally get it. And then she'd be like, can I go out and hang out with my friends in the city? I'm like, yes, go do, you know, do whatever. It's perfectly fine. Like, you know, you know, like you said, you've been with your wife since college pretty much. And, you know, making something work and having that understanding and being able to compromise over something that is so important to, to you, she understands that. And it's not like, you know, you may, you, you know, there's times you've you've had big asks, but at the same time, I'm sure you gave those right back to her, if you know, and and you know, right. because that's the way it's got to work. It, it <laughs> has know. to, otherwise, everyone's resentful, and yeah, it it can't last. That can't last forever. Um, no. There are a couple, like I'm in. I think you're in this Facebook, this unholy fathers group. Yes, there's some people in there that I know in real life, but that they talk about touring because a lot of them are musicians and just being on the road for three months out of the year or, you know, now that things are really picking back up, you know, really going back out there for nine months. It's just insane to me. I can't imagine missing that much of my kid's life. You know, my dad was a Navy brat. So like, I know what it's like, like from his experience, basically not having a dad there a lot of his childhood. And it's not a good thing. I just never really wanted to do that. I didn't want to like have a family and leave them and go. Yeah. So it was like, how did I get from music business to, to what I'm doing now? Or it's, you know, methodically going to grad school to get a master's in education and, and saying like, I want to have a career so that, Amory and I could get married, which we did like 10 years ago. And then we can have kids because that was sort of like the long-term plan. So yeah, like I always wanted to be a rock star. I always wanted to play music, but also sort of very practical. And and that other way, like, you know, I made it out of college by the skin of my teeth, but since then it's been very much like (laughs) trying to, to do the responsible thing. 
the the ultimate thing is ha- is again ha- being able to have that that compromise between yourself and and your partner and you know making sure sh- and also I think being cognizant of your kids and and just talk about your kids and in, in shows you, have they seen you play live have, do they enjoy watching you play like yeah this is like so cool and like some some very early memories they must have would be of me on the stage playing um, because we did the Arlington High School. Battle of the Bands. It was like the best show I've ever played. And every year, uh, we would have the um, the all the students. Their bands would play, but then they had a faculty band. We were called Educated Guests, <laughs> and that's my name. And um, and we would play a set of like five songs. And the, afterwards, after all the high school bands had played, and they're tallying the votes, and the kids would go nuts. Like the the high school kids, so we would also do a sound check, and the kids, my kids, could come wearing their headphones, and mm-hmm. you know they saw that since they were like you know, you know three or when Jamie was like one, and then there was uh, I did like a St. Patrick's Day all ages matinee at this like grungy bar, um, the Midway Cafe in Boston, and I remember Harley was like watching from the side of the stage, she was like five probably, this was before COVID, and. Um, he was like getting up on my guitar case, which was like there. And I'm like playing and I'm trying to focus on the set, but I'm also like, don't fall. You know, like I am a dad. I'm splitting myself down the middle right now. <laughs> so watching them watch us is kind of a challenge to, to be in the moment as a performer. Um, but it's just so cool to see them seeing you doing something that, they they must think like oh my god my dad's so cool they still yeah. laugh at my jokes i'll you know i'll still make <laughs> a lot of really bad jokes and so i still have them where they think i'm a really cool guy and that memory of me playing that may never stop being cool in their eyes yeah. you know like yeah. they'll stop laughing at my jokes but um they want to play music you know like um it's just kind of i think that they're going to they're going to do it because it's just what I do all the time, and so that's what they're gonna do. I, I just kind of assume that. Um, it, yeah, and you, get, you let them see, figure it out, because you know that's. And if they don't like it or they're not, you know, it's not their thing. That's not their thing. And, and yeah, but giving and them providing a space for it. You know? Yeah, like this definitely. room that I'm in. One of the reasons that we built this in the basement is we soundproofed it, and it's like thinking about all those times when we were playing your basement. <laughs> it's like. You know, I want to. I want my house to be inviting, and I want the kids to play in the basement. But I also want it to be relatively manageable volume for the rest of the neighborhood and and me in the house. So, um, I I envision them, you know, coming down here to make noise and playing bands because I don't know. It just seems like a that's what you do. At the very worst, it's an a, it's a great excuse for you to get together with your friends and play. In the, yeah, in your I know. House. Yeah. I need to put a lock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> so on Dad Rocks, uh, every time we have a guest, we ask them, because uh, we, we try to bring up some music uh, that we've been listening to just to inform our listeners maybe and to get them to hear things that they haven't heard. Kind of similar to what you did in middle school with me um, to just kind of, you know, broaden everyone's horizons. We ask our guests, you know, three artists or three songs or three whatever that you've been uh, digging uh, lately. So I've been listening to the new Arcade Fire record, We, a lot. Let's see, otherwise, uh, we did... Um, 
in, in the mornings we listen to just again this morning, um, the um, Tick Tick Boom soundtrack. Uh, Jonathan Larson, the, the guy who wrote Rent, um, and the kids love it, and so that's been great. Another one, um, I, I this is funny. I had a moment yesterday. I was doing yard work and I was listening to eight six seven five three oh nine Jenny slash Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and I was I was grooving on it. I was like, this song rules. The lyrics are a little questionable now. And you know, it's like a love yeah, song yeah. to a woman whose name's written on the wall. And uh, and then the the guitar change is happening in the over the. Uh, like there's these arpeggiated notes and it sounded to me just like little things by Bush from 16 stone. <laughs> oh, so wow. I put that on and I had, I have to admit, I went on a Bush, uh, oh, I man. listened to all of 16 stone yesterday and it was pretty awesome. I love those moments where you're like you reconnect with the the music of your childhood because it takes you. I don't know for you, for you for me. I put on yeah. a, an album like that I loved as a kid, and it just brings me right back to that, oh, yeah. that moment. And like playing air guitar to machine oh, yeah. head, like yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have not listened to that album in 20 years or so. No, yeah, would... no, definitely not. And like some of their stuff would come on the radio, I'll turn it up. Or, right, right. But uh, this. <laughs> little things i mean it, it's the same chord progression and it's the same um really interesting guitar part i think i might have hated on bush for a while after i liked them yeah. but i'm now that i think that they were probably ahead of their time groundbreaking stuff they were i mean <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't that into them but they they had some great songs no definitely not ahead of their time but you know they they were doing it they were doing that they hit a sweet spot and grunge well glenn thank you so much for coming on to dad rocks it was great to reminisce and reconnect and you know hear your story because again uh, I, you were one of the people like when i first when we when we first started this that i was thinking about having on just because of how you have dealt with playing music while having a you know like playing music a lot while having a full-time job and a family and you know and and the and the band you know the making the playing the music isn't your primary income so i think that's uh you know it's been primary yeah <laughs> zero income yes <laughs> a hole that you throw money into yeah yeah uh but thank you so much no, this has been awesome So now we come to that part of the show when we discuss what music we're listening to. And again, it's just me today. Um, so I'm going to give you three tracks that I've been digging lately and uh, hope you enjoy them and check them out. The first song 
is the new Wilco, or one of the new Wilco tracks off of their brand new album called Cruel Country. The track is called Falling Apart Right Now, and it is a super catchy country tune, and it's one of about 20-plus country tunes that Wilco decided to write for this new album called Cruel Country. It's a super catchy, fun little country ditty, and it's been in my head since it's been released, so I hope you enjoy it. Why don't you get in line beyond the tears I'm crying? I know our hearts aren't very smart, but you're gonna have to learn. Learn when it isn't your turn somehow. The next track is the first single off of the upcoming new Dawes album called Misadventures of Doom Scroller, and the track is called Someone Else's Cafe slash Doom Scroller Tries to Relax. Now, I'm not sure if this album is going to be some sort of, you know, concept album, but um, obviously it seems to be going in that way, and it is definitely off of the beaten path for Dawes, which is something I enjoy. Um, I'm actually a big fan of when they kind of diverge from their typical Dawes sound, and this, well, this song kind of goes in a different path. It's definitely a little more jammy. Um, they actually played this live uh, when I saw them back in September, and it was fantastic. It sounds pretty much like two ideas smashed together, but somehow it really works. Um, and the middle part, uh, the instrumental middle part is just absolutely fantastic. So I hope you enjoy it. Your vitals are stable And your stupid beret But you still waiting tables In someone else's cafe And the last song comes from an album we discussed last episode, uh, and it is by Nick Lowe. It is an album I bought on Record Store Day, at least the first part of Record Store Day 2022. It comes from the album Wireless World, or Jesus of Cool, or Pure Pop for Now People. And it is uh, a track called Heart of the City, and it's actually a live track. There's actually two versions off this album. There's a live version and the studio version. And the live version is played with the band Rockpile, which Nick Lowe was a part of. And it is just absolutely on fire. Thanks for listening to this episode, and a special thanks to Glenn Fant for coming on to the show. I had a great time talking to him and reminiscing about our past together, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you're interested in checking out Glenn's bands, which include Bang Camaro, The Fatal Flaw, Thunder Jacket, and Recent History, you can find all of them on Facebook. 
And you can find his most recent band, Recent History, on Instagram at Recent History Music. His other three bands, Bang Camaro, The Fatal Flaw, and Thunder Jacket, can be found on Spotify, Apple Music, and pretty much any place you can find music online. If you enjoyed what you heard and haven't already, go ahead and follow, like, subscribe, or whatever you need to do to automatically get new episodes of the podcast. We'd also really appreciate it if you left a review on whichever podcasting platform you use or just told a friend or two about the show. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Twitter, both at Dad Rocks Pod, as well as on Facebook by searching up Dad Rocks Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or any show ideas for us, or just want to give us a shout, you can always message us on those social media outlets or email us at dadrockspod at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening today, and remember, dads, you rock. <laughs>